Before I start, I'd just like to um, thank Pastor Greg for giving me this opportunity to speak and share what God has placed on my heart. So the title of this sermon is Pick Up the Baton. Um, and this really came, I got to give a shout out to Pastor Jacob for helping me with this one. Because uh, I was talking about this sermon that God had placed on my heart. And I didn't really know where I wanted to go with it with a sermon title yet. And so he helped me out with that. And we were thinking about the Olympics and the race of life that we have and the, the race that we run every single day that Paul talks about. Um, which I'm not t- going to be talking about Paul today. I'm actually going to be speaking in Joshua 1, 1 through 9, if you want to turn to your Bibles in there and get ready. But um, just this idea of the baton, how we have to step up into the things that God is calling us to, the calling that God has on our life, or maybe it's just the next phase of life. When we're running this race, it's, it's just like that same track race that um, the runners run, where it's a sprint It's a marathon, and they have to be ready for it. But it all comes down to handing off that baton. It comes down to, is there an easy transaction between the two where the the next person's able to step up and take that baton and run the race and take it to the next person and pass it on to them? And it can be scary getting that handle, and there's a lot of practice that goes into it before you ever get to that spot. And so I wanted to look at Joshua 1, 1 through 9, and see just what... um, how Joshua dealt with this, how he stepped into leadership. In this passage, it's right after Moses has passed away, and the Israelites have been mourning his death for 30 days. And it's not a question of who is going to take the next, who's going to be the next leader, but the question is when. When is Joshua going to step up? Because Joshua himself, he knows the calling that he has on his life. He knows he's the next leader, but also all the Israelites also know that Joshua is the next leader, because that has been made known to them. So during this 30 days of mourning, everyone's expecting and watching, saying, when is he going to step up? And so I want us to really think about how can we have a strong, courageous faith that allows us to pick up that baton and walk into the places that God has called us to. So we're going to go ahead and go to the word. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan and you and all the people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I have promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause the people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, and that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So from that passage, we ask again, how can we live a strong and courageous life that allows us to pick up that baton? And there are three things that I see God lay out to Joshua in this passage for him to be able to pick up that baton and lead with great leadership. And I believe that if we take these practices and apply them to our own daily life, that we'll also be able to pick up this baton in the different areas that God is calling us to. The first thing that we can do 
is live a strong, courageous life by remembering the promises of God. And this is really looking at verses one through six. And we can break this down even farther to a personal promise and a general promise. Like I said before, the first promise is a personal promise. Joshua already knew the calling that God had on his life. He knew that he was gonna be the next one to step up and take that leadership after Moses passed. Uh, We get this from Deuteronomy 31, seven through eight, which says, then Moses summoned Joshua and he said to them in the sight of all Israel, be strong and courageous for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you and he will not leave you or forsake you. Do not be dismayed. And it's really awesome to look at the similarities in that small passage right there in Deuteronomy and look at what we just read in Joshua because the language is very similar, right? And I think that God did this on purpose for Joshua. If no one else, it was definitely for Joshua because he looks back on this time that all the Israelites heard this message from Moses, which was a message from God. He was delivering this message from God to all of them and every single one of the Israelites were there to hear it. So they all know the calling that Joshua has on his life. So when Joshua has this conversation with God in Joshua 1, 1 through 9, this same language is brought up again. And God points back to the calling that he first gave Joshua. And so that he has this boldness, he has this confidence to walk out in it because he knows the voice of God. He has that relationship with God and he can point back to it. The second promise, as I was saying, is a general promise. This is more of like a public knowledge type promise. So God had promised to Abraham about his descendants inheriting a land and about the many descendants inheriting that land and that promise was then passed to Moses. And now we see it to Joshua. And this is for all the people. Not all the people were called to be the leader of Israel, but they were all called to go into the promised land and follow Joshua into this. So again, we see this promise that was brought through Abraham to Moses, and now Joshua is carrying it. And the way he remembers this promise is through Moses. He was Moses' assistant. He was everywhere with Moses. He was his right-hand man. And he knew the promises that God had spoken to Moses because there was conversation and relationship with Moses. He had someone that led him and took him to that next step. And I can, I like to imagine, and don't quote me like on, like this really happened, but I like to think that maybe there was just one night where Moses and Joshua are sitting around a campfire maybe. And maybe it's around that time where they were all getting tired of the manna. And so they're roasting the manna over the fire. And Moses looks over to Joshua and says, have I ever told you about the time I got called? Or have I ever told you about the time that God split the Red Sea? Or tells him about all the different stories and what God was dealing with him in his own life. See, again, scripture tells us all the time about this relationship that they had and how Joshua was right beside him. And what we don't see is the little conversations that happened in between, the guiding that brought him to the point that he was. Because again, if you look back through scripture, if you were to go study like the life of Moses, when you compare a lot of the language that's used in what he says with Moses and what he says with Joshua, it lines up. And it's because, again, it's that idea that God is consistent and he's faithful. And so when you tell the promises and you share the stories of what God has already done, it's gonna match up with someone else's life. So Joshua is able to know the promise of God because he heard the testimony and he witnessed the miracles and wonders. He was right beside Moses along the whole way. It's important that we listen to those who have gone before us, that we listen to the testimonies of those around us that have gone through the battles already, that have already crossed those Red Seas, and they can tell us 
it was by me trusting God. Or we can even hear about the times that they fell, fell short and we can learn from those as well. It's these stories that keep on passing to us. But the other side of it's true as well. Moses passed on to Joshua. It's important that we also look at who's around us and who's looking at us because we have to live out that same faith and give the same story and pass on the messages and the stories that God has given to us, the testimony that we have. If we share that with everyone around us, then all of a sudden God starts using that in their lives and they don't have to go through the same things we once went through because they know, all right, this didn't work for them. So if I go this route and stick to what the word says, maybe it will work out better. And all of a sudden we're getting generations that are getting closer and going places that we never went, but we set them up for that. Today, we also have promises from God that we can hold on to, and we can find that throughout Scripture. John 3, 16 and 17 promise us salvation through Christ. God sent his only son that he would die for us and die for our sins that we could have eternal life through him. We also have John 15, 26. We are promised the gift of the Holy Spirit who comforts us, guides us, and empowers us. And then Revelations 22, 12 promises us the return of Christ. And these promises and more are all throughout scripture, which leads me to my second point, we need to meditate on the word. We don't know the promises of God if we're not getting into the word and knowing directly from him. We can rely on each other, but at some point, something's gonna get crossed up and we're not gonna have the true promise. We're not gonna get the truth that's really there. And again, we see Moses passing down his wisdom and his knowledge to Joshua, but God is making it very clear that Joshua's primary duty is to be a spiritual leader He's supposed to be the mediator between God and the people of Israel, like Moses was. And at this time, the people had the Torah and laws from Deuteronomy, which is, this is really interesting to me, because the people would not know the laws and the writings if Joshua didn't share it with them. Because at this time, it's not like now, where we all have like 15 Bibles or a dozen Bibles in our house, or just sitting in random spots, or we have versions of the New Testament. At this time, a lot of scholars debate on how many there were, but it was very few to maybe even one. It's kind of like the debate that they say of having the actual Torah and then actually having the laws and everything written down. So it wasn't just a thing of saying it for them and being able to preach this law and him meditating on it. He had to know the truth for himself because not only were they waiting to hear the truth, but they were waiting to see the truth. Because with him, he had to live it out because they had to match up. Because if word of mouth is the only way that the people are learning, then he has to know, like, bottom of his heart what the truth is. Um, And he had to live that out. And I think it's very interesting as well that God doesn't really focus on military excellence in this passage. If me and you, if we're, like, creating this new country or something, first thing we're thinking about is self-defense, right? How can we take care of our own? How can we be protected? Uh, Maybe even how can we go out and conquer others? Um, for that protection. But God says, you will have great success when you, and you will be prosperous if you do what is written. He never says, go out and do conquer, conquer, conquer. He says, step in and do what is written. You have to know the law. You have to know the word that I've given you. Know the promises, which again comes through the word and study of the word. And it really reminds me of a coach in film room. Um, my coach always used to tell us, success on the field starts in the film room. You have to be able to study and look at what, where did you mess up on the field and look at is it, what's lining up with what you know, is it matching up with what you did on the field. And we'd have to learn and really break that down and say, all right, I messed up here, 
but I know next time I'm gonna do this. And that's exactly what the word of God does in our own lives. We have to be able to go through and actually go through the word, pray about it, and let the Holy Spirit come and convict us or show us new things and enlighten us to the, the word of God that's actually there. Um, today we have the Old and New Testament that we can meditate on day and night in order to know God. And we have to know this word, especially today, in today's culture, because today you have a lot of false teachings that are out there. People are just saying what they feel, and it sounds a lot like the truth. And if we're not careful, we don't know what the truth really is. We have to know the word of God so that we know the voice of God, because it all starts with the word. If you want to hear from God, start looking in the word, because it all starts with vision first, and being able to actually know his voice through the word, and then matching that, because I'm telling you, God's already talking to you. You might not be able to like see to know which voice is his yet, but once you get into the word, it becomes very clear which voice is God's and which voice that you need to follow. Because the other side of it is, today it's really easy to use the Bible as a checklist of, all right, well, I read today, so I'm good. And I'm guilty of this. Beginning of last year, actually, I had to, we were doing the Bible in a year with a couple of my friends. And we all thought, how cool would it be if we all got in the word together and really studied and held each other accountable? And it was great intentions going into it. And I caught myself just reading the word to check the boxes because it's on the app. So you can just click it and everyone would see what you were doing. And I was like just reading as fast as I could just to get through and click all of it because they were way faster readers than I was. And um, I, I got convicted while I was doing that. I was like, you know what? I'm not actually setting time apart with God. I'm not actually stopping to read and listen to what God's trying to tell me in this passage. So I had to tell them, I'm like, sorry, guys, I I can't do it. Like I got, I had to find what was right for me and find that time apart with God and let him work in my life. Because when we read, we are learning God's voice. It's important that we keep going through scripture and that we don't just skip the parts that, the stories that we think we know really well. It's important that we don't just skip over the lineage, the different family lineage or the different laws when it's going through the bullet points and we think, oh, this is just a waste of time. But it's important that we really zone into those parts because when we take one piece out of the word, we're missing the bigger picture that's set up for us. It's like doing a puzzle, right? So if I set up a whole puzzle and you have those few pieces that are missing, it's always in the middle. So you can look at the box and you're like, all right, well, that's what the picture is supposed to look like. And then you look at your puzzle and you're like, it's, it's all right, but it doesn't have everything there. And it's the same thing with the word. God's trying to give you this word and give you this piece and prosperity like he talks about in this scripture, but it only comes when we obey the laws that God has given to us. And if we don't know the laws because we haven't read it, then we're not gonna know where to go, which leads me to my final point, which is to live a strong, courageous life. We need to be obedient. You see, God was with Joshua and the Israelites had the Ark of the Covenant, which means God was literally with them. They just had to follow the path that God laid before them because the land was already theirs. The battles were already theirs and the victories were already theirs. They just had to show up. And I really love this one point in verse four. I really wanna highlight the word territory in verse four. The word territory in this verse stands out to me because God has promised a spot, right? It's, it's a territory, a plot of land that he says, between these rivers is yours. God gives us that same thing. It wasn't a universal domination or like dominion that they could just roam freely. Any land that you want, pick out, but it was, this is your land. 
you step there and it's given to you. Like anyone that's already there, it's not their land, it's yours, they'll get out. And a lot of times it's that same idea with obedience of God's giving us something, not to like withhold us from pleasures of life or anything like that, but it's really to give us peace. It's to give us freedom in life. So like even think about on the stage, <laughs> like if this is my boundary, if I were to just walk straight off, I'm falling, right? My, God, my dad used to always give me this analogy um, back when he, he preached it and he also gave it to me personally. But the first time he told me, I was like, I don't know about that. He was just talking about how like, we shouldn't always be living to see how close to the edge we can get, right? And so he says how boundaries and all these are set up for a reason because it's really for our own good, our own intention. Dad was trying to explain this to me because I wanted to go do other things. He's like, no, you don't need to be doing that because it's like the boundary that's set there. And so when he was preaching about it, he gave this example and this analogy of giving the boundary, giving this ledge. If I stand back here and I fall, I trip, I'm not near that edge. I don't fall over that edge. But if I'm tiptoeing that edge and seeing how close I can play it, when I fall, I'm over that edge. And I'm getting out of that boundary. I'm getting out of the obedience that God has called me to, that these words, I'm not, I'm not following what it says. And this idea of territory is summed up even better in Matthew 7, verse 13. Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, but the gate that is narrow and the way, that, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. And that last sentence there, those who find it are few, is so crucial because when we are disobedient, we miss the promises that God has for us. We fall into fleshly desires and settle for artificial when God has promised the real thing. And this last verse asks us a question, have I not commanded you? Joshua had to decide whether he was going to obey God. He had to decide if he was gonna walk into the authority and the land that God has promised him. See, this whole verse comes down to obedience. It comes down to that question of, you know it, you know the promises of God. You know the word. You've been meditating on it, but are you gonna step into it? Are you gonna be obedient to what it actually says? Or are you gonna try and go your own way? And Joshua has to make this decision. And fear already kept them out of the promised land once. And I think that when Joshua is hearing this word, he's thinking back on that. Joshua remembers that he was there. He saw the consequence of disobedience, which was death. A whole generation paid their life. So Joshua chose to be obedient to God and live strong and courageous him and Caleb were the only two from that generation that got to see a promised land because of their obedience, which reminds me of that last verse I just said, those who find it are few, two out of a whole generation that got to see the promised land. So a strong and courageous life can only be achieved by obedience to God. And we tend to lead ourselves astray. We step over the territory God has given us, but when we rely on God and become content with what he has given us, we can live a strong, courageous life because we don't have to live in fear. We can live in faith because it's that jump. Just because God's called us to something doesn't mean it's not gonna be scary. It's new and we don't know what's gonna happen and it's that leap of faith that happens. It's, it's the fear that leads us up right to, we know the promises, we know the word, we meditated on it, we come up to the action and then there's this little valley of fear and it's, am I gonna make that jump or am I gonna live in that fear? And that's ultimately what it comes down to. And I'm not saying it's gonna be easy that every single time that we have to go make that leap, that's gonna be an easy leap 
because there's still gonna be battles that have to be fought and there's still gonna be rivers that have to be crossed, but we get to see the glory of God most in those moments because God never promised it would be easy, but he did promise he would never leave us or forsake us. And if the praise team would like to come back up at this time, I'm gonna, there's this poem that I wanna share with you guys that really sums that whole idea of obedience because it's so hard to just go in and be obedient sometimes. It's, it's a choice that we have to make daily. But there's this poem by Mother Teresa and it's called Do It Anyway. And she says, people are often unreasonable, illogical and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of being selfish or having ulterior motives. Be kind anyways. If you are successful, you'll win some false friends and some true enemies. Succeed anyways. If you're honest and frank, people may cheat you, but be honest and frank anyways. What you spend years building, someone could destroy overnight. Build anyways. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous. Build anyway. If you find, if the good you do today, people will often forget about tomorrow. Do, do good anyway. Give the world your best and it may never be enough, but give the world your best anyway. You see in the final, Analysis it is between you and God. It was never between them anyway. And that's ultimately what obedience is. It's a decision that comes between us and God. It's not about what was everyone else gonna think of. It's what am I gonna do knowing here are the promises that God set up for me. Here's the word I've meditated on. I know the voice of God. Am I gonna follow and be obedient? So as, as I conclude, I wanna touch back to how I opened the sermon. I mentioned that we are running a race and there's a baton that we have to pick up. And in life, there be many times that we are called by God to do something that may seem frightening to us because it is new. But Joshua is a perfect example of how we can answer the call that God has in our life and step into new places of leadership and chase our calling. And we don't have to worry about the battles or overtaking us or the rivers sweeping our feet away because God's gonna make that way for us. It's walking in faithfulness and obedience to God. This passage shows us that we can be strong and courageous by remembering the promises, meditating on the word, and being obedient. And I promise if we can make these practices a part of our daily life, that's all it takes to pick up that baton. Psalms 1, 1 through 4 sums this up by saying this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by a stream of water that yields its fruits in its seasons and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. So my final question for you today is what baton do you need to pick up in your life? Maybe that step for you today is salvation or getting right with God. But maybe it's a new position or a new role or a new phase of life and that you know God is calling you to, that he's been tugging you at, but you've been hesitant and maybe even fearful to step into it. Trust me, I know it can be scary. I know for a fact that there is that fear there. But again, it's that jump. It's that, are you going to take the baton and keep on running and take it to the next spot? Because he's going to keep handing you that baton. And it's gonna happen. It's just that taking that baton and running and taking the next step of faith because God doesn't tell us to like 
know the whole field, know the whole layout. He says, just takes the next step. So are you willing to pick up the baton? This morning, praise team will lead us in a song. And if you want prayer, these altars will be open. But I challenge you today, choose today to be strong and courageous and pick up that baton.